Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig, Dig the Mining podcast. And today's guest is Alfred Baku, who's the Executive Vice President and Head of West Africa for Goldfields. Um, those that don't know, Goldfields are a globally diverse gold producer with a focus on mechanised underground and open pit mining. They are currently the world's seventh largest gold producer and have nine operating mines in Australia, Peru, Ghana um, and South Africa. Alfred is a mine engineer by background and has a wealth of mining experience having worked in Australia before taking the helm at Goldfields nearly 14 years ago. So that's welcome Alfred onto the podcast and um, that's here his story. How are you doing Alfred? Very well thanks and yourself? Yeah I'm doing well here in the UK so um, appreciate if you can um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background so the audience knows a little bit more about you. You might want to tell us, uh, might want to tell the audience something that they don't already know about you. So if you can give us a little bit about your career from when you started um, as a mine engineer through to current day. Thank you very much. And uh, Rob, thanks for having me. Yeah, so as you said, my name is uh, Alfred Baku. Uh, I'm a Ghanaian and uh, I actually graduated in uh, uh, Ghana uh, University of uh, uh, Mines and Technology. And uh, I had my um, BSc in uh, 1994 and then MSc in 1996, uh, all in mining engineering. So I actually uh, started working for uh, Billiton uh, at Bogoso uh, in Ghana here. Uh, so I worked as a graduate engineer uh, straight from school, uh, learning through all the different uh, uh, departments or sections of their mine. So um, I spent uh, about three and a half years with Billiton. Uh, so from Billiton, I actually joined uh, an Australian company called Ranger Minerals uh, as a, a mine, I would say mine superintendent uh, or open pit. Um, but before actually getting into uh, Billiton, I did my underground time or underground um, yeah, period at uh, Ashanti uh, Gold uh, Fields, which is now Anglo Gold Ashanti at Obuasi. So that's where I did my underground time. So from Billiton, I joined uh, Ranger Minerals, uh, also uh, in Ghana. But whilst with Ranger Minerals, uh, I got the opportunity to spend some time in Australia uh, with Ranger Minerals. And uh, I spent about three and a half years again, so it seems like three and a half years have been the, 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 the right time to move on. So um, what happened was um, gold fields were already in Ghana and they had a mine called Taka uh, Gold Mine and uh, they took over from Ranger Minerals. So when they took over from Ranger Minerals, that was uh, in 2002. Uh, I was then with Ranger. So they laid off uh, the entire staff and uh, recalled uh, some few uh, members. 
So I was one of the lucky ones uh, to be recalled. So I joined Goldfields uh, as the mining manager. So I went through uh, the ranks, uh, spent some time uh, in Australia, uh, also getting uh, exposure uh, in different ways of uh, actually doing the, the same business. Uh, so spent some time in Australia and then got, got back to uh, Ghana. So when I got back, I was actually promoted from mining manager to uh, operations uh, uh, manager, and then uh, from there to the general manager of uh, the Dama mine. So I spent about 18 months as a general manager there, and then I was transferred or moved across to Takwa mine. Takwa is in fact uh, our flagship mine within the group uh, Goldfields. So I spent about, uh, yes, another 18 to two years, and then uh, I got promoted. Uh, to be the vice president in charge of uh, the Goldfields operations within the West Africa uh, region. So uh, here again, I spent about, uh, I'll say two to three years, and then I was promoted uh, to the executive uh, vice president uh, level, which is where I've been uh, up until uh, this morning. So um, I'm the executive vice president and head of the Goldfields West Africa region. And uh, we actually, in terms of production, we contribute about 36 to 37% of uh, the Goldfields group's uh, production. And we've got, I would say, two and a half operations or mines. We've got the Dama mine, we've got a Taka mine, and we've got a joint venture with uh, Galliano. Uh, which is the Asanko uh, gold mine, 50-50 uh, uh, joint venture. So that's uh, about uh, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you obviously mentioned that you worked in Australia. How did you find that? And first of all, how did you get that opportunity? Very well. Um, actually, when I was the mining manager uh, at Daman, the, the general manager walked to my office uh, one afternoon and said to me that uh, uh, they have looked at uh, the high flyers within the organization and uh, I happen to be one of the lucky ones. And therefore, uh, as part of my development uh, journey, they would like uh, to actually second me uh, to Australia uh, to spend time on the various uh, operations, both underground and open pit to give me that broader and international exposure as well. And then also to learn their culture. At the end of the day, mining itself is not different from wherever you find yourself in the world, but the culture will be slightly different. So that is uh, how uh, it all started. And then I was moved uh, to uh, Australia. Okay, so basically it was because you've obviously put in a lot of hard work previously done well in your company, which then obviously you got recognized to then have that opportunity to move to Australia. How, exactly. how, how different would you say operation and doing mining in Australia is different to Ghana? I know you said mining is pretty much the same. What were the major differences that you can see now from working in Australia to say working in Ghana? Uh, to be honest with you, um, in terms of the actual mining itself, the uh, practices that uh, exist in uh, Australia are not very different 
from in Ghana. Uh, the few things that I saw in Australia compared to Ghana is their culture of work. Uh, if I say culture of work is that, uh, you know, in, in gold fields, safety is our number one value. And uh, we say, if we cannot do it safely, we will not do it at all. Uh, the difference in Australia is, when it comes to duty of care, they are higher up there. In Ghana, the culture is such that if you are in, like a, you are older than me by age, or you are from a royal family, in Ghana, it's difficult for me to approach you, Rob, and say, oh, Rob, you are doing something that is not right. It's by virtue of you being from a royal family or you being older by age than me, I find it difficult with our culture to approach you. But it's totally, totally different in Australia, which I find quite fascinating. And it's something that I brought back uh, from Australia in terms of if even you are the general manager of the mine, and you are doing something that is not safe, you are doing something that is not right, even the junior guy can walk to you and say, Rob, you are doing something wrong, please stop. That is something that I saw quite uh, different from the way we operate in Ghana. Okay, okay. So I wonder if you can give us a, an overview of Goldfields, um, and obviously you've been with the company for a while now, and obviously risen up the ranks. Um, I wonder if you can tell us, about Goldfields and what you've done to make it a success. Very well. So as you rightly said, Goldfields is a global company and we operate in four different regions. We are in Australia, we are in South America, South Africa, and then of course my region, the West Africa region. And we are number seven in the world at the moment. Our production is about uh, 2.1, 2.2 uh, million ton per annum. And as I said, Goldfields, West Africa region, will contribute about 37% of that uh, production. And uh, we, in Australia, we have got about four uh, operations. Uh, in, in my region, we've got two and a half. And then in uh, South America, we have an operating mine in Peru, Cerro Corona called, and then in South Africa, we have an underground mine as well. And in South America, we have just uh, started a, a new uh, development of uh, operation in, uh, in Chile, uh, Salares Norte, we're just going through uh, development or construction phase as we speak. So coming back to our uh, region, uh, we have got uh, two and a half mines, uh, Dama mine, uh, Taka mine, and then the joint venture with uh, Galeano operations. Uh, with the Taka mine, Taka is actually the flagship of the Goldfields group, where we actually produce the largest uh, within the group, about 500,000 uh, ounces. And uh, it's quite a, a low-grade mine, but it's quite a steady-state uh, mine where we actually have to up our game in terms of efficiency and productivity to be able to still make money with such a low-grade, 1.25 grams uh, per ton. 
compared to Australia's uh, seven, eight gram per ton. So you can see that there's a huge uh, difference there. And the Daman mine uh, is also got quite a, a fascinating uh, story. Uh, about uh, five years ago, we were actually contemplating uh, bringing the uh, mine to a close because we had actually exhausted the economic life of the operation. So when I took over as the executive vice president, I set up a team and then we said, okay, let's see what we can come up with in terms of life beyond the, at the time, the uh, mine's life. So we were able to come up with uh, what we call the reinvestment uh, uh, project. And that reinvestment project required that uh, we actually push back the uh, uh, existing pit, uh, strip a lot of waste and get to the bottom of the ore body. Uh, that required us to spend about uh, 350, 360, a million capital and if you add that to your operating you're talking about a billion uh, or a billion uh, and a half so we went to the board we got approval by the board to actually embark on the reinvestment journey and i'm pleased to say that four years down the line uh, the project is still uh, progressing very well we are ahead of production we are ahead of shadow and we've been fantastic and the mine is doing very very well uh, at Tapa, we have got uh, what I call the organic growth opportunities that we can actually extend the life of the operation. Two years ago, uh, we were able to replace our uh, oil reserve depletion. Uh, last year, we have managed to replace again. So the mine is doing very well. INT is something that we embrace so well because that is the order of the day as we speak because we want to modernize our operations. So across the Gold Force Group, we embrace INT quite a lot to be able to improve our safety, to be able to improve our efficiency and productivity, to be able to reduce our cost and uh, actually stay in business. Okay. Is there anything that you've improved, um, would you say, in terms of across the, the operations that you're looking up, you're looking after that has made a big difference yes uh, i will say that uh, since i joined um as the executive vice president head of the operation we have done a lot of strategic things and the biggest one is we've managed to actually reduce our all-in cost by about uh, 20 to 25%, um, about $300 per round, we have been able to. What are the areas that we looked at? We were able to actually secure uh, a development agreement with the uh, Ghana government. And development agreement is something that uh, GoFools, we tried for about 10, 12 years. We were not successful. But when I took over, we managed to secure that. And that was a game changer for us. And development agreement, what it does is your, um, your fiscal regime and terms are actually set up or defined for you. So you'll be able to project into the future uh, very well as compared to you don't have any uh, uh, fiscal terms uh, defined 
and the government can get up any day, any time and change things, which brings you all the way back to the drawing board. So we're able to secure that and that helped us a lot. The other one that we've managed to do under my uh, leadership is that uh, if you look at the uh, power situation in a country, uh, it was quite uh, hectic for us and it wasn't stable at all. So um, we were relying on the national grid and uh, our um, availability was quite low. So what we did was uh, we put a team together and under my leadership, we were able to actually come off the national grid. Uh, and we set up uh, an IPP uh, to help us with our power. So I must say that since we move off the national grid, our power supply has been quite consistent and our uh, mill uh, performance has been fantastic. Uh, so it's really helping us in terms of production. So that is something we have done. The other one that we've also done is, uh, in terms of safety, we believe that we can actually have a zero harm uh, sort of uh, mentality. So that is something that we put into uh, our people's mind to say that when you walk from home to the workplace, just make sure that you can go back home safely without uh, getting yourself injured. What are some of the things that we did? We, we did a host of them. Uh, one of them is what we call uh, the top five or take five. What that means is before you start any piece of work, you have to assess the, um, the risks, you have to come up with uh, the, um, the mitigation, you have to do a host of things before you actually start uh, work. So on safety side, we were able to also come up with a host of things that will be able to help our workforce. And the latest one that we are actually uh, doing is what we call the courageous uh, safety leadership. What courageous safety leadership does is that it actually empowers everyone on the operation to actually be a leader when it comes to safety. As I said earlier, the Ghanaian culture is such that if someone is in a higher position, it's difficult for you at a junior level to go and say, hey, Alfred, you are doing something wrong. So this courageous safety leadership is all about empowering everyone on the mind to be able to be a leader when it comes to uh, safety. The other one that we've also managed to do, which has actually changed this region in terms of value uh, from the market, in terms of everything, is that we have actually emphasized on exploration how we can actually extend the life of the operations. And as we speak now, two years down the lane, we have been able to replace our depletion back to back at top of mind. And that is one of the reasons why we entered into a joint venture agreement with Galliano, because our strategy, our vision is to grow the region. And you can only grow the region through reducing your cost to get more into your reserve through exploration activities. So these are some of the things that we are doing uh, to be able, or we have done to be able to change the landscape of uh, our region. The other one that we've also done on the back of COVID is what we call the flexible uh, roster, where we can work remotely. Uh, as we speak now, I'm, I'm actually uh, having this conversation with you from home. 
so flexible roster is something that we've introduced. And in terms of our people, our people is everything. And therefore, we emphasize a lot on our people. So this is something that we've also done in terms of improving our uh, efficiency, improving our productivity. So we've done a lot of things to change the landscape of the region. Yes, yeah, certainly. And there's quite a, good, quite a few major changes that you made there over the few years. And obviously, making those big changes is is a risk when you're making them, but obviously all of them are paid off. And um, yeah, I congratulate you on obviously that success. Um, how has Goldfields Ghana managed its obviously operations to ensure obviously the safety of employees obviously during, during COVID? Obviously you mentioned about flexible work arrangements and rosters. What else have, what else have you implemented during obviously this, this whole period and which you probably will continue with? Very well. So um, since we had the COVID uh, in Ghana um, way back uh, March last year, what we, we did was uh, to actually put uh, together some uh, initiatives and uh, interventions at our operations and then also our host uh, communities. Uh, we have spent about uh, 2.3 million uh, US dollars uh, to help our uh, uh, operations and then also to help the uh, host communities and also to assist the government in the fight against uh, um, the uh, COVID-19. So if you look at some of the things or the measures that we've actually implemented, uh, screening all our employees uh, and then also essential uh, visitors. One of the things Rob we did was uh, we actually limited uh, the number of visitors to our operations uh, because of uh, the COVID-19. So before you get onto the operation as an essential visitor, we screen you. And then we also did a mass testing of our employees uh, to know their status, to make sure that uh, we don't have surprises. So we did that as well. Mandatory wearing of uh, uh, face masks is mandatory. It's not a given. You cannot afford uh, to be on the mine without a face mask. Uh, we also provided uh, hand washing facilities and then also hand sanitizers uh, to all the um, uh, employees and then also the facilities, uh, the hand washing facilities advantage uh, positions. In terms of uh, strict social distancing uh, protocols, is something that uh, we actually enforced. And even within the pits, we made sure that uh, if only you are required to go to the pit, that is when you go to the pit. And then of course, the flexible work schedule and work, uh, working from home is something that uh, we also instituted as well. Yeah, um, with, the, with the rosters, have you extended the rosters? Um, obviously days on, days off. And if so, has has have you had any challenges from staff? I mean, have have a lot of the staff agreed with it? Has there been any complications? Um, what what are your what are your overview thoughts on extension of rosters? Because I see a lot of companies extending those rosters, and it may work for some people, but then again, it may not work for different people. So I just wondered what your thoughts are around that, and how how people have reacted to that. 
No, Rob, we also, we also uh, did change the roster and then we had, you know, it's, it's a human nature. Uh, whenever you institute some change, you always have uh, some group of people uh, actually being uh, a bit uncomfortable because uh, some people uh, are not used to change uh, so quickly. So uh, we had some uh, initial teaching, I would say, uh, problems, uh, but uh, it's behind us now. So yeah, we extended uh, uh, the rosters for uh, some of the uh, sections or departments uh, to make sure that uh, we can actually uh, have the social distancing, as I said, uh, and then also to make sure that uh, we don't have a lot of uh, actually people on the buses at any given time. So one, we uh, we had some yeah some people were not too comfortable. Uh, with the change but that is uh, normal as a human human nature so but i would say that uh, it's all back to normal now and the fact that last year we were able to deliver on our uh, budget without uh, any hitches uh, although we pick up uh, some few cases uh, speaks uh, volume that uh, we have been able to get all our people aligned now yeah um, and in your view, what would you say the future of mining looks like? And I suppose um, you could look at it globally, but also from a from from a point of Ghana and maybe Africa. Um, and how do you think technology is sort of influencing the future of mining? Very good question. Yeah. So you see, um, Rob, the mine of the future, um, we've modernized and integrated with the use of smart technologies. That is a given. And uh, it will rely heavily on automation at uh, every level, from uh, autonomous uh, data acquisition and analytics via uh, real-time sensors to remote operated and fully autonomous equipment. Automation and digitization will help mining companies one, to improve uh, on safety, because uh, once you are able to actually uh, get your, your operation uh, in this uh, autonomous uh, sort of uh, region, you are able to improve uh, your safety with the adoption of technologies such as collision avoidance and fatigue management system. Rob, what we've done with uh, safety uh, is that uh, we have installed what we call the collision avoidance system, uh, where you are able to take the human uh, people, the human beings from the uh, equipment. Uh, the guys sitting right at the top of the uh, dump trucks, they see you as a human being quite tiny. So with collision avoidance system, we are able to actually make sure that uh, uh, people are not uh, having this interaction with uh, the heavy equipment. Uh, through uh, technology and then also through digitization and automation, uh, we are able to, number two, optimize efficiency. With the adoption of technology such as auto drilling and high precision GPS, whole navigation system on the drill rigs, um, which have uh, also implemented enhance our operational efficiency because you see rob in drilling 
you need to make sure that you get the drilling, uh, your dip, your inclination, your uh, depth, everything right. If you are able to get all that right, it helps with your uh, efficiency. So we've been able to also do that. Uh, with technology, the third one is uh, to improve sustainable practices using renewable energy, using water recycling and community economic inclusion of all our GoFo's Ghana uh, activities. With technology, uh, we are able to reduce our carbon uh, footprint. With technology, we are able to maintain our social lines uh, to operate through our sustainable uh, practices. So GoFo's, we are working towards uh, modernizing our uh, minds based on current trends in most of the modern minds around the world. We expect to uh, actually automate and digitize our operations uh, over the next uh, few years by adopting new sources of power, remote operations of equipment, environmental monitoring using real-time monitoring technology, integrated operating uh, centers. Yeah. Yeah. So with obviously yourselves implementing over time a lot of automation and digitalization, um, I suppose a lot of people, and it does, and I suppose it affects not just the mining industry, but other industries, a lot of people think that by introducing a lot of automation, a lot of digital, everything sort of being automated, i.e. computers um, taking over people's jobs. Do you see that as that happening within the mining industry and perhaps happening with in Africa or even in with gold fields? Do you see that happening or do you see um, certain jobs being taken over by um, automation, but at the same time, you need people to to um work those automation systems so you would use different people so it doesn't reduce the numbers of people it's just people's jobs will change um how 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 do you see that happening well that's how i see it. that actually is is going to actually require us to upskill our people um, you're not necessarily going to just uh, lose jobs, but you're going to upskill uh, a lot of the people. Um, but Rob, the reality is that um, you may not be able to actually upskill 100% uh, of the workforce uh, because of the different levels of uh, education uh, that you have on the mind. But uh, you're right, a lot of people, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is when they hear INT or technology, they say, oh, we are going to lose our jobs. So it comes down to rock education, uh, educating our uh, stakeholders, the union, the government, and then also the host community as well. That you're not necessarily going to lay people off, but the onus is on us to upskill our workforce to be able to actually take different tasks in a technological advancement area. So that is how I see it, but it requires us to educate, as I said, a lot of our stakeholders 
to actually understand what we're trying to do. Because without their buy-in, it's going to always be difficult uh, for us uh, to actually move forward with uh, technology. But we are not going to be laying people off. We're just going to upscale the people to be able to take different jobs. Yeah. So with, for instance, and this is, I suppose, not just um, with gold fields, but I suppose maybe even across Africa and even other parts of the world, if people have a lower um, educational level, do you think it's in their own best interest, apart from the companies, but in their, in their own interest to sort of upskill themselves by learning a few different skills, maybe in their own time, um, rather than just relying on companies to provide that education? Do you feel that it's, it's good and in people's interest with those lower level uh, levels of education that they should go out um, in their own time to upskill themselves in certain certain areas. Absolutely, and that's part of the uh, education that we give uh, our workforce, education that we give the union uh, leadership, education that we give the host community, that they should make the effort, as you said, uh, on their own to educate themselves. Because at the end of the day, you want to always uh keep your job and one way of doing that is to make sure that uh, you are not left behind so in as much as the uh, company is willing to uh, spend time and money in upskilling uh, it's always better to be a step ahead uh, on your own to upskill uh, yourself so that uh, when it comes to the selection you are always uh, going to be there and you can meet the criteria in a technological uh, environment. Yeah, and I suppose it's like anything in life. I think life is a continued education. And I think no matter what industry you're in, you should always look to educate yourself, even if it's something just slightly outside of what, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. That continuous education in, in various other things just increases your whole level of education. Um, and some things are transferable. Um, you can learn something in another subject and transfer it into mining, perhaps. So I think anyone that's listening that has that may only have a certain level of education, I think you still need to need to look at other areas where you can sort of increase your level of education. And that and that that applies to anyone across the world and at any level, because you can always go to a high level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how has sort of the uh, obviously COVID pandemic? How has that accelerated your 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 minds or obviously gold fields? How has that accelerated the transition into new technologies? Very well, Rob. So you see, key uh, new technologies uh, have actually flourished uh, during the uh, pandemic, and uh, testing and adoption of essential technologies. Uh, to uh, telecommunicate, to share ideas, uh, and to remotely manage uh, teams experienced tremendous acceleration during the past year. So just as new vaccines were developed, tested, and implemented under an incredibly accelerated uh, process, uh, the same phenomenon uh, was seen with the adoption of new technologies that are key uh, to actually communicating 
operating and managing operations remotely. Regarding the mining industry and allied sectors in particular, the pandemic has actually forced uh, an accelerated adaptive process of new technologies that will have actually otherwise taken several years to be fully adopted. Normally, uh, as in any innovation process, we see a slow adoptive organic uh, process of the latest technology by the industry. Generally, state-of-the-art technologies are rapidly adopted by small companies willing to risk and try the latest innovations in order to quickly boost their productivity, increase their uh, growth, and then also be competitive against their well-positioned uh, industry. So, uh, Rob, I would say that uh, the pandemic has uh, actually uh, forced major industries uh, like mining uh, to actually take same stand uh, as small companies. And the mining uh, industry have been actually compelled to take risk in terms of uh, adopting new technologies and working uh, uh, protocols such as uh, working from home, which are normally adopted by small startup companies. So I would say that yes, the pandemic has actually pushed a lot of things uh, forward uh, from a technology point of view. Yeah. Um, so what's your general view of mining in Ghana? Um, and what has the industry contributed to the development of the uh, country? Um, and what, what improvements do you think could be done within the Ghanaian mining industry? Excellent. So um, generally in Ghana, um, you know, we have quite a, a friendly uh, business uh, climate. Uh, and if you look at uh, Ghana, our democracy has also um, grown quite well. And therefore, we have quite a stable uh, political um, uh, atmosphere or political environment, if one can put it that way. Um, the mining industry has been operating and coexisting cordially with our host communities and then also with the government. However, uh, there are still challenges and issues with government and other key stakeholders that we try to resolve amicably through the Ghana Chamber of Mines, which is actually the industry uh, body. One uh, major challenge, Rob, that uh, um, the mining companies have been trying to resolve is illegal mining activities on our legally acquired concessions. Often these illegal miners are members of our host uh, communities. And as such, it is important to tackle the issue uh, appropriately in order not to worsen the matter. The mining industry's contribution to Ghana's economy and infrastructural uh, development is enormous. Uh, Rob, if you, if you look at the, the road between our Takwa mine and Dama mine is about 33 uh, kilometers. And Rob, we have actually upgraded that road uh, and we've given it an asphalt uh, surface that is going to last in excess of 20 years. So that is a huge, huge contribution that we have given uh, our host uh, communities. 
And beyond taxes, beyond royalties, beyond dividends that uh, we actually uh, pay to uh, government, we invest in socio-economic development uh, of the communities within where we uh, operate. And not just infrastructure, uh, we assist in education, we assist in uh, water and sanitation, we assist in a host of uh, things to actually improve the lives of the people uh, who are within our catchment uh, uh, areas. And if you look at gold fields, apart from all the taxes that we pay, apart from all the royalties and the dividend that we give government, we have also set up what we call the gold fields foundation. And this foundation has got a formula. Every ounce of gold that we produce, we set aside a dollar and put it into the foundation. And over and above that, 1.5% of our profit before tax is added to the foundation. And since 2004, we have actually invested over 74 million US dollars uh, in development projects and programs in our host uh, communities. And as I said, education, health, agriculture, water and sanitation, and infrastructure. Yeah, now that's that's great, great work and great to hear. Um, at the end of uh, February, Goldfields released uh, strong results for uh, 2020 um, with its West African operation uh, posting a production increase of 3% um, with a net, net cash flow of 252 million. Um, what contributed to this um, and, you, and how did that sustain momentum? Absolutely. Um, there is a significant organic growth, as I said earlier, uh, potential that we have within our West Africa region. And um, if I look at our performance, uh, it's been actually steady and then also consistent. And if you, if you look back three to five years, um, we have been very consistent with our um, uh, production and performance. And the 3% increase, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in production um, was primarily driven by the continued uh, build up in our production at Daman. As I said, four years ago, we had the board approving what we call the Daman reinvestment uh, project. And uh, we are picking momentum and the production is beginning to uh, pick up. And that actually helped us in our 3% uh, uh, increase in production. And as expected, Daman had a much improved 2020 second half uh, as it moved into the heart of the main uh, oil body. Our oil in cost uh, actually uh, increased uh, by about 2%, uh, but the region generated net cash flow. Uh, if you add uh, Asanko, about uh, 290 uh, million US uh, dollars. Uh, compared to 184 uh, last year. Um, at the end of December, uh, we've got uh, 48 months into the Daman reinvestment project. And as we speak, Rob, the tons, we are about 14% ahead of plan. And then the gold produce, we are about 17% uh, ahead of plan. Uh, Tapa, we replaced our depletion and slightly added to reserves in 2020 for a second conservative uh, 
consecutive actually year. Uh, studies on a further cutback at Daman have actually started, so we are actually trying to be ahead of the game while there is more exploration potential at uh, Tapa and a 22 kilometer down deep strike potential is being evaluated as we speak. There's some great, uh, great results there. So I want to uh, conclude now. So what's what's the outlook for, um, I suppose, golf, golf fields, but golf fields Ghana? What do you, as obviously as a leader, what do you want to sort of happen over the next sort of short to medium term? Excellent. So um, my vision is to actually grow this region. And to grow this region, uh, it's not just uh, by quantity or volume, but quality. So we want to grow our production base. We want to be able to optimize our cost. We want to be able to uh, make sure that we have a zero harm mentality instilled in our people to make sure that our safety performance is top notch. Um, and we want to make our region one of the best within the GoFools uh, uh, group. So I'm very optimistic that uh, we will be able to achieve that. And uh, from where we uh, started and where we are now, I think uh, we have a, a light at the end of the tunnel for this region. In terms of the group, um, GoFools, as I said, Solaris, Norte, we are busy with the construction. And uh, when we, we get into full production, Solaris Norte is going to be a game changer uh, for the group uh, because it's a low uh, cost uh, operation that is really going to make a difference. Uh, South Deep, uh, which is uh, one of the deep, deep uh, level mines uh, in the world, uh, is also turning the corner uh, with all the uh, changes. And then also under the leadership of uh, my colleague, uh, Martin, uh, Saudi is also beginning to actually uh, show some momentum. And Australia has been steady state and uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, future, bright future ahead of us. As you are aware, our um, CEO, uh, Nick Holland, is actually uh, stepping down, not stepping down per se, but he's going on retirement. Uh, and he is uh, finishing with us by the end of uh, this month. And uh, his replacement uh, is already uh, announced, uh, Chris. And Chris is uh, actually known to uh, the mining industry, very good operator. And we are actually uh, uh, happy uh, to have Chris taking over from uh, uh, Nick Holland, who has done so well for uh, Gold Fields over his term as a CEO of this company. So we have a, a lot of uh, bright story and future ahead of ourselves. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I'll, and I'll certainly be uh, watching how, uh, how you uh, develop. And obviously from past results, um, obviously the sky's the, 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 sky's the world and um, you've obviously done well in the past. And I think you're continuing uh, achieving your goals and objectives for the company. So um, if our audience wants to uh, reach out to you and if they've got any questions or want to find out more about Goldfields, how can they go about doing that? And are you on any social media platforms? 
Yeah, um, my my email uh, as you you have it, uh, alfred.baku at gofuls.com. Uh, that is uh, my email address. They can also reach me out. Uh, uh, they can follow me on LinkedIn, and then also uh, I'm also on the other various uh, social um, platform. Uh, and of course, uh, my number, I'm sure you have it, uh, plus uh, 233-2474-10274. Yeah, no worries. All, all of those details will be in the show notes uh, accompanying this uh, podcast. So um, really appreciate your time, Alfred. Appreciate you uh, giving, giving our audience your story. Tell us about Goldfields, the exciting things that you've done and successes um, that you've achieved with Goldfields. Um, and may it can uh, obviously continue into the future. Um, hope the audience has uh, enjoyed listening to this and um, appreciate if you can pass this episode on to other people that want to know more about goldfields, mining in Ghana, because um, I'm sure they um, certainly get something from it. So I really appreciate your time, Alfred. Um, and until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.